It's the next level. Warning. The following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Look at that. We already got a... Do we have a special name for these magical fugitives? Well, I was thinking since they're mysteries involving mythical beings, Mm -hmm. we could go with... Mythteries. Fugitives it is. What's it say? Salem, Massachusetts, 1692. First day on the job and you're taking me to the bloody witch trials. Well, I hope you're feeling morally superior because we are getting our Puritan... Puritan. That was too much, right? Welcome, Primers, into this issue 121 of the DC Primetime Podcast from the Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, I'm Rob Martin. And we're coming to you a little bit late this time. Uh, we You get usually get to hear these on Monday morning, but it is actually very late Monday morning in which we are recording this. So... Hopefully, if all goes well, you are hearing this by Monday evening instead of Monday morning because I'm going to try and get this out as soon as possible. But that is because Rob and I are right on the tail end or off the heels, rather, of Extra Life 2018, which was another great success and a lot of fun, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, um, our our small little corner of our team actually ended up, uh, I think, raising five, over $5,800 yeah. uh, for uh, a mixture of, I think, John Hopkins and uh, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. So pretty damn awesome. I think as of 9 a.m. yesterday, Extra Life released the numbers. Um, I think it was um, I think it was eight million eight hundred thousand nine hundred and ninety five dollars were raised as of 9 a.m. yesterday. Uh, across the country so i think that is the largest number they've ever had coming right off of game day so uh, another record-breaking year Uh, i think we hit uh almost identical or right next to where we hit from last year um so and just so you guys know while our raffle is wrapped up uh we will still be able to accept donations till the end of the year so if you're still looking to do a charitable donation to extra life uh, our pages are still up you can still find that pin post on um, DC Primetime over at Facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Yeah, uh, and on the note of our raffle, too, we just want to extend. We did this on Facebook yesterday, but we're going to do it now on the podcast as well. Just extend a special thank you to everybody who donated to the cause to Extra Life and put their, you know, got their names entered into the raffle for the statue and the and the podcast uh, guesting and, and such. Uh, we're going to be contacting the winners this week. We actually didn't get an opportunity to draw the winners during podcast, uh, during Extra Life as we did last year. So Rob and I are going to do that this week, uh, and we'll reach out to all the winners as we... Uh, uh, as we do when we do prizes like that. But yeah, uh, we're not going to probably post anything on the Facebook page. We'll just do a direct contact via messenger 
uh, or email because we do have your email addresses if you donated as well. So uh, between the two, we'll make sure to do so. Yeah, exactly. But again, and then if um, and maybe what we'll do is if there's any unclaimed prizes by we'll say December, uh, we'll do our Christmas giveaway like we normally do. And um, anything that's unclaimed, maybe we'll do a giveaway at that time. Sounds like a plan to me. Cool. Uh, but yeah, once again, real quick, special thank you to everybody who donated to the cause. It, it means a lot to us as we do this event every year. And, uh, you know, it's always a lot of fun. So it takes a little while to recover. Uh, yeah, I'm not there yet. Uh, so if I start kind of slurring, uh, I'm not drinking. Uh, just to just give you guys a heads up. If you listened to that episode a couple of weeks ago when we recorded two in the morning, it's going to sound a lot like that. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. I mean, because it's, it's one of those situations where it's 24 hours straight of gaming, but it's a lot longer of a day than that because there's a bunch uh, of people coming from yeah. – some of our friends came from Baltimore. I mean, there's there's travel involved for a bunch of us, myself included. It's about a 45-minute drive for me. Uh, you know, there's preparations. Once you get there, there's setup. Once we're done, uh, you know, there's cleanup time, and we're usually still needed to come down from it. So we still continue gaming after the 24 hours. Uh, I know for me, uh, I think my day started at 3.30 p.m. on Friday is when I woke up. Uh, I stayed up until 5 a.m., slept till about 3.30 uh, and then from 3.30, I was awake until, I want to say, um, about 1 a.m. Sunday morning. Yeah, um, I, th I think all in all for me, I, when I did the final count, I think it was 33 and a half hours total time. Yeah. Um, it's brutal, and it hurts your body very badly. And um, uh, we, had a, we had a few casualties this year. As far as people that weren't able to quite make it through uh, between sleep, <laughs> so yeah, uh, that got a couple naps. But I think Ben and I made it through. I had a I had a moment where I was falling apart a little bit, but I bounced back pretty well. I was so. actually pleasantly surprised. I was I thought having the flu two weeks ago and then suffering from a sinus infection this past week that I was probably going to be one of those casualties. Uh, as you know, because last year I. I I scheduled, I paced like doing an energy drink like every two hours and, and such. But this year, man, I, I blew, I, I blew myself away this year because I didn't, I didn't get drowsy once and I had one energy drink and one coffee the entire 24 hours. Yeah. So I, I don't know I, how I did I, it. Yeah. I, uh, I think I, my grand total of, um, uh, energy drinks was three and one of them was before the event started just to wake up and then two during the event, you know, periodically through and normally, yeah, I'm about four or five. <laughs> yeah. I had a so, heavily um, coffee. I had a heavily caffeinated cold brew, which I think was a lot stronger than the energy drink. And that was early on. So that kept me going probably for a majority of it. Yeah. Is there uh, so was there any big games for you that you got to play for the first time that you were blown away with? Uh, Fireball. I no Fireball Island wasn't there. Damn it. No, that'll be coming in the mail though in about a week or two. Oh, we need so. to we need to do a game day for that. We will. Yeah. <laughs> Make worry. sure I want to be there for the first playthrough of that game. Um, no, well, I mean there was one um that our friend Kenny swore I had played before and I hadn't. Uh there was a game called Blood Rage, which I thought was a lot of fun. And there was another one called uh Competition Kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I really, really enjoyed. It, there's not yeah, I much to enjoyed that too. There's yeah. not much to it, but as somebody who's a fan of like Gordon Ramsay and cooking shows and and such, that was a lot of fun to play. Yeah, I was really blown away with it and just thoroughly enjoyed that one as well. So, but yeah, Blood Rage is one of my all-time favorite board games. Uh, we played it fully loaded, basically with every expansion in the mix, and uh, had a blast. So, 
Uh, yeah, but a lot of great stuff. And I want to thank uh, one one final time here just to thank each and every one of you who donated to uh, to either Ben's page or mine. Um, thank you guys so much and for making this a great sixth year for me. Third uh, for Benji, me. Yeah. Third year, third for you. So, uh, yeah, I've been I've been running this for six years for our group. And, uh, man, it, it's always a great time. Uh, and, yeah, I'm looking forward to next year. And I'm already kind of in a mental planning stage for next year already. Yeah, so. I can't wait till next year, too. It's going to be a blast. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. Let's get down to the nitty gritty and start getting uh, doing what we usually do every week. And that's breaking down these shows of the Arrowverse. Uh, all four shows this week, of course, Supergirl, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, and The Flash. The, uh, just a heads up, we'll probably mention this again towards the end of the, the podcast, but uh, no Flash discussion next week as Flash will be on break this week for Election Day in which we'll just get it out of the way right now. If you're hearing this before Election Day or if you're hearing this on Election Day, make sure you get out and vote. That is the most mm -hmm. important thing this week is make sure you get out, make your voice heard, cast your vote, and we'll leave it at that. Uh, so, if you're new to the podcast, what we do is we go through all four of these episodes. We'll give you our one to three point ranking of sidekick, hero, or legend. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, sidekick, see, still recovering from that extra life. Um, sidekick being on the low end, one through three on a scale of ten, uh, one to ten. Hero being four through seven, and legend being eight through ten. And we'll start off this week with uh, Supergirl season four, episode three. I'll turn it over to you sidekick hero or legend for this week i'm actually gonna give this a legend usually i hate flashback episodes that are like hey this is uh we're just gonna info dump on you and why the villain is the villain uh i think this was the best use of that ever across the entirety of the Arrowverse, running us through a really great timeline where you can see a kind of a character's mental state is kind of decay um really 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 well done and uh very blown away so far by supergirl this season yeah I'm, I'm going with legend as well i thought this was a phenomenal flashback and supergirl i think has been poised uh to be the best when it comes to doing these flashbacks episode flashback episodes i think midvale was another one that we gave a really high rank uh, high ranking to i think that was our our, ep uh, our episode of choice last year um so yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing what they do and it was great because they we got to see uh, we'll get into it when we do the full breakdown, but a really great touch of talking about everything that's happened in that series from start to finish. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next up, we have Arrow, Season 5, Episode 3, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? I'm going to give this a very high hero. I think it was right there, um, but didn't quite crest into Legend, but still really good episode. Uh, big improvement over last week, in my opinion. Yeah, right there with you. Um, we One of the things we didn't get this week, of course, was a flash forward, which I'm perfectly okay with. It's I, I think as long as they're, you know, when they're important, we're getting them. That's what matters. So uh, I'm, I'm giving this a high hero as well. And it's so funny because I got a text message from one of our friends, our friend Brian, uh, who posted him uh, who texted me and he said hey he's like i just realized who Derek sampson is it's cody rhodes from wwe i'm like uh yeah he's been in this for like two seasons now if not longer <laughs> you're just realizing this now you apparently don't listen to our podcast <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> excuse me and uh, there's I'm, gonna be a lot yeah of that i'm apologizing too. if that happens quite a bit i will uh, mute when i can i'm my mouse is hovering on the mute button so. yeah um but yeah, so a high hero for me as well. Uh, next up, I already know where we're both going this one. Uh, we have Legends, Season 4, Episode 2, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? Getting a Legend again for me as well, <laughs> so... 
Yep, legend for me. It's just so far, these have been a lot of fun. And one of the predictions I make last week kind of came to fruition a little bit, but we'll get to that when we, when we start breaking down the episode. And last, we have The Flash, Season 5, Episode 4, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? Uh, this is getting a high hero as well. So Arrow and Flash kind of still right in that middle point from where they were last week with me. But uh, still a good episode. Very strong. Uh, nice to see a brand new dynamic between two characters. Uh, yes. Really excited to see where Sherlock and uh, Ralph's uh, friendship kind of goes throughout the season. Yes. Um, I am giving this one... A legend, believe it or not. I was actually on, I was a high hero throughout the course of the episode. And then uh, the very end, uh, something happens towards the end of the episode that kind of pushed it into legend for me. And we'll get into that when we when we break down the episode. So it's a legend for me this week. Low legend, but it's a legend nonetheless. Uh, all right, so let's go back and start breaking down the episode, starting first with... Uh, season four, episode three of Supergirl, Man of Steel, the story of how Ben Lockwood became Agent Liberty is told. Uh, so it's a short synopsis, and I feel like it's probably going to be a short conversation. Yeah, um, I, I think really the, the the big thing that boils down here is, you know, we see a very positive figure in in, in, in ben, uh, ben Lockwood at the very beginning of this flashback. Um, we see him kind of like all four aliens and they talk about Project Myriad, which was the big finale we saw at the end of season one of uh, the show uh, of Supergirl. So you see his dad is very anti-alien. Uh, you know, there's a lot of rhetoric and uh, it's kind of bleeding into the family a little bit. You see Ben's son uh, kind of reacting in the same way a little bit, picking up from his grandfather. And, um, you know, Ben's trying to kind of push back in a more positive light. Um you no, know, we we jump forward a couple months and then we see that since everything's going on, nth metal is becoming a big thing in National City, which I thought was really cool. Uh, that is becoming a normal kind of part of their society and how it's kind of destroying the steel industry, which, uh, you know, understand where Ben's, you know, Ben's father uh, and why he's got such hateful rhetoric. Yeah. But you see that turn into really extreme full blown xenophobia. Um, you know, and how that kind of breaks down and how that's impacting them. And you see, you start to understand why he twists the way he does into a villain. And it was a really good, I think, interpretation of walking through that steps. And you could understand the place he was coming from and why he went the place he did while also not agreeing with why he ended up the way he did, yeah. <laughs> you know, which no. I think th that was they played such a careful line with that. And I think that's the important part to say in this is you understood him and you understood why. Um, and it was handled and written in a very strong, perfect way where again, the show is not really trying to make, uh, it's making a hard stance without making a hard stance. And I think that was the important part is they handle this very cautiously and carefully. And, uh, but you understood for this specific character why he becomes the villain of our season. Yeah, so. no, I agree with that completely. It's, it's so well told and it was so, it, it was very interesting as you're watching through getting to see all of the, uh, the previous events of Supergirl starting, like, as you mentioned with, uh, you know, um, with Myriad back in season one, I mean, we, we're basically getting an entire replay of the past three seasons of Supergirl, uh, into this fourth season all in the background of what is happening with this character. And it's it's one of those situations where as you're watching and you're seeing what happens to Ben and his family, it's, you know, you can, by the end of this episode, 
it, it's one of those things that Supergirl does is such a phenomenal job in helping you to understand why he is the way he is. And I think one of the brilliant things about that is by the time you get to the end of the episode and you realize all the events that made him or that led to him becoming, you know, Agent Liberty and why he's doing the things that he's doing, not only do you get a better understanding for it, but you're kind of sympathetic to it. So they're, they're building up a villain while, yes, he's doing bad things and he's doing things, you know, that should be stopped. And he's got horrible viewpoints. But you understand it. You understand it. And there that's the interesting thing. This was the first time I think that Supergirl has handled a villain that was sympathetic, like really, really sympathetic. I think Ruby in Sam's story from last season was to an extent. Yeah. Th- this they managed to really hit that home in one episode. Like – you you hated the hate speak that he was spewing through the episode, but at the same time you understood why he was that was kind of spewing from his mouth. You you watched somebody really transform over the course of two years, um, two years time in the flashbacks, and the fact that they also interwove characters like Lena Luther uh, when she first came to National City, uh, James Olsen uh, as he just recently takes over Catco. Uh, we even see flashbacks with. Um, uh, Calista Flockhart yeah. this season uh, for the first time when she's working for President Marsden. Um, you know, all these little pieces were really nicely intertwined. And I think they did a really great job of getting those pieces together to to tell this really great cohesive story leading all the way up to the start of this season. Um, and I, I think that really, really, really worked. And I'm really surprised on, again, how careful and meticulous the writing was and they're building him up to be kind of a terrifying villain because one of the big things that they really got across is his his ability to inspire other people with the same viewpoints which is really kind of scary yeah i mean and at the same time too it's you know you mentioned um you know james olsen and i think james is almost you know he Seeing, because you get that flashback when he is talking about, uh, you know, being guardian, and or when, you know, Ben sees like sees James come out as having been guardian, and the newspaper article, and you know, this is what we should be getting from our country, and you know, and such. I think it's almost kind of the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, he's seeing James as guardian as the faceless person behind a a symbol. I think is almost kind of the reason why he became Agent Liberty or was willing to accept the armor that was given to him because when the armor yeah. was given to him it was a, it was a, it was basically a a burglar's mask you know with, to wear over his head and then he's the one that finds the mask in his father's old steel company to to put over yeah, I thought that was really kind of a interesting way because he kind of is looking at James and just taking that concept of James and twisting it a little bit. So I thought that was really well done. Uh, but yeah, I mean, very, very strong, strong performance from Sam Witwer. Uh, I'm really was blown away with him uh, throughout the entirety of this, this episode. So uh, big kudos. And I think I'm, I'm incredibly looking forward to seeing what he's going to do this season because, man, oh, man, I was blown away. Yeah, I was, too. I mean, and you even... Um... You know, I, I think we're already getting close to wrapping up this conversation because I don't really know if there's much else we can talk about. Well, we have to talk about the present day stuff that's going on with Kara. So. Yeah, true. But I, I think uh, the difference between when you said setting up Ben as an Agent Liberty as like a really, a, a really, you know, um, 
what's the word you used for how he's going to be as a villain for um, well, I mean he's going to be formidable he's going to be yeah. kind of men- he's he's going to be mentally terrifying because of the fact that what he's doing but I think what's kind of interesting again though too is watching the characters we know that have interacted with him realizing that they're kind of have a hand in creating um you know and I think that's going to be the interesting part yeah uh knowing that James and Lena do have an involvement in the creation of this villain in in, in essence um you know they had an opportunity to kind of take something seriously and maybe find another way to address it uh but they kind of brushed things aside and they kind of took somebody that was uh watching his world crumble and kind of helped push him over the edge even further so it's going to be interesting to see that kind of dichotomy between those characters if that continues if we see more things play off because we definitely know ben didn't have just one interaction with lena we saw that after the death of his father in the steel mill during um during the earthquake and the terraforming uh, moments in the end of season three, so and we see him die there, and again Lena showing up at that funeral. We see um you know they, they them conversing, talking about nth metal versus steel, and why Elcor is dropping their steel contracts and all these little pieces, and you know just the human human aspects that we saw kind of James kind of wake back up to a little bit with Neon Neal like Neon uh, Neon Nall last week's episode. So it was really well done on kind of showing that James has growth, Lena has growth, but uh, but then you see kind of a de-evolution of Ben through that same timeline. So it was pretty cool to see. Yeah, but I mean, in comparing to, uh, you know, in, in comparing Ben Lockwood to, you know, an Agent Liberty to Sam and, and Rain, I think the big difference between these two is, you know, when it comes to seeing sympathy in a villain, is Sam's... You know, foray into becoming Rain was something she kind of had no control over. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, Ben is of his own making. Like, he he is in complete control. Like, he knows the person that he is. He wasn't forced into this. Well, I guess he was kind of forced into it in a way. But, uh, you know, these are just events of his life that led him to becoming the person that he is rather than Sam, who it, she was kind of destined for it. And really didn't have a choice in the matter to begin with. So they're two kind of different sympathetic villains, if you look at it. And I think I think Ben's story is a little bit more sympathetic because it not only affected him, but his, his family. So I'm very interested to see um, if they're going to really be, if they're really going to play on that sympathy card as we progress further into the story. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm really curious to see where his story is going to go. I, I really, really am. Um, and I think he's going to be a really interesting and very, very formidable villain by the end of this. So, yeah, uh, let's jump into the present day stuff then before we, we move on to the next show. And that's, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of the aftermath of the kryptonite being in the atmosphere and finding out that like last time that it's not just in in the city. It is everywhere. It is across the entire uh, and cross the entire planet, and it's one of those things that you know they try to do the same thing with Monel, take him, take her out of the atmosphere to let her recover, and unfortunately, she's just so weak at the time that that's not going to be possible. And because of that, we get Lena Luther, and we get the suit that we have seen the pictures of. Yeah, that kind of actually covers all of it. <laughs> well, um. I did have something else, and now it completely slipped my mind. Um, I, I think the big thing we really saw here was, I think the only moment that I'm like, how does that work? Was, you know, was 
Supergirl flying, uh, and we see her at the end of the last episode kind of getting ready to like kind of just plummet. But I love the fact that they, the DEO had enough time to be like, hey, John, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, can you fly across the country and uh, save her before she hits the ground? And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. How does that work? She's already like, okay, falling. Sure, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I think the smart thing here, though, is the fact that we know that Clark is off world. We know he's in Argo City. So, uh, you know, they don't have to explain the Superman of it all. That was really kind of smartly done. Um, you know, Beyond that, though, there there wasn't a whole hell of a lot. All we know is she's got to stay in that suit at this point in time. There's no getting out of that. Uh, and we're seeing Lena very willing to help. So I'm, I'm very curious to see where the, that relationship between Kara and Lena is really going to go this season. Because I'm not sure it's kind of playing, uh, having that follow through that we expected from where the last season ended. Of the possibility uh, of her going a little villainous. Yeah, so I'm not quite sure where this is going to fall yet, but I think we're, we're going to know sooner than later. So Yeah, I, I think we're going to see too. I wouldn't be surprised if it's just a one, if it's a sudden flip of a switch rather than a slow build, like something's going to happen that's going to, you know, kind of cause that uh, to kind of cause her to flip. Well, we do know, um, we won't say anything much until we talk about this next week, but uh, we do know that there are two characters that are no longer with us by the end of uh, the episode that happened last night. Uh, that could have a big impact on that for her. So we'll uh, see. I know nothing of this. Yeah, well, I won't bring it up here. but uh, <laughs> I mean, you can I, tell uh, me when we're done recording. but Yeah, or I could, or I could type it. I can type it in Skype. Yeah, you could do but, that. Yeah. You, yeah. you could do that as we're talking, and then maybe I'll perchance be shocked and yeah no it's very very possible um, uh so not not shocked but surprised yeah so uh but yeah you guys will see when you watch or if you've already watched you already know who those characters yeah. are and it sounds like that has been confirmed so it's a big wait and see so uh instead of me being, being cryptic why don't we wrap up supergirl talk and you can tell us about what's coming next week okay or yeah. last night <laughs> yeah well so. last night at this point um i think the i think the last thing i want to say too about this is uh it was just really cool finally getting to see Martian Manhunter again in action, not yeah. just in the past, but current and present day. So it's always fun to see John play that role or yeah, John uh, transform into that. Um, but looking into next week or last week, last night's episode, rather. Um, oh, God, the pronunciation Ashma or Asma, I guess. I think it's Ashma. I a think it is. Well, there's no S. So it's A-H-I-M Ahimsa. I don't know. Uh, but Alex asks Lena and Brainiac to team up to help Supergirl. John discovers new ways to help his fellow aliens after running into Manchester Black. Mm, big character. Yeah. Very big character. So I'm looking forward to this. Uh, yeah, it looks like we're going to get more of the vice, more, well, president now. Uh, president Baker, played by Bruce Box, uh, Bruce Boxenleitner. And yeah, so we're going to see... Um, we're going to see some more. So you guys probably by the time you're listening to this have already seen it. We haven't. So that's an interesting dynamic. Anyway, uh, let's move forward and talk about the next show of the week. And that would be Arrow. Season 7, Episode 3, Crossing Lines. Still in prison, Oliver faces his biggest challenge yet. Meanwhile, Felicity gets an intriguing offer and Diggle asks Curtis to go undercover for Argus. So... A couple different things happening throughout this. Well, obviously, we get a continuation of the Oliver storyline uh, in the prison. And I think we're probably going to be seeing a wrap of that very soon. Uh, we're in episode three. I can't see this going for another three episodes. I'm predicting maybe sometime in the next two. 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure between five and six is where we're going to see this part wrap up. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised about that at all. Yeah. So, um, but I, I, another thing, to, you know, to say before we continue on with breaking everything is this is the second of three episodes without an, a green arrow. Uh, well, not not just Green Arrow. Is again this one no superheroics yet again. Uh, but you know what? This one I think did it better than last week. I, I think they did a much much better job of handling handling this episode. I think we got to see a really cool take. And one of the things I'm going to break away from on this one that I, I didn't seem like I enjoyed as much last week. There was a positive to it. I really like the silencer's powers and how it impacts the fight scenes. It's so different and it looks so interesting and cool. Um, because you kind of your brain kind of fills in the impact of it all, um, and I, I really think that they're doing something interesting with any of the fight scenes with the silencer. So uh, kudos to kudos to the uh, the crew that work on Arrow. I think that was uh, they've done some really excellent calls on how they're handling that. So big thumbs up on that. Um, I don't know if I'm completely sold on it yet. Um, I know you are. Uh, I don't know. To me, it still seems like she's more of a flash villain than an arrow villain yeah no i get that i do totally get that i think the longbow hunters in general specifically kodiak and silencer kind of seem like eh, in the red dart feels perfect in that spot um but yeah silencer does feel like more of kind of like it's like almost like as we now find out that there's metatech uh but you know what that's something we could find out that could be connected um uh, maybe this is metatech who knows so oh i didn't even think uh, about that uh, could be anything. So I'm very curious because that now exists in this entire world, not just Central City. So yeah, uh, uh, so it's a big wait and see. Yeah, so I, I I'm not completely sold on Silencer yet. Maybe another episode or two, uh, I'll I'll come to adjust on it. I mean, maybe if I saw that the name, because I mean the name Silencer to me just kind of feels off. I mean, it's completely understandable as to what she does. You know, she silences the environment around her. So, yes, obviously, Silencer is a good fit. But to me, it just, I don't know, the name feels weird. It's its just me. It's just me. Oh, yeah, no, totally. I totally get that. I think what it is, I think the character itself right now is very, very thin, and they haven't done anything with these characters, really, with the exception of Red Dart making her kind of interesting. Um, but, you know, I think it's more just, it, it was the fight choreography and the way that it, it, it functioned. I thought that was neat yeah. versus the character itself. So. Yeah. Let's keep focus while we're talking about it. Let's keep focus on th that series of events in the episode. You know, we see that uh, Felicity has gone to, you know, uh, Agent, uh, Agent Watson. Watson. Yep. yep. Um, it was coming to me. A Agent Watson uh, for help. And she knows where Diaz is going to go next, where Diaz and the Longbow Hunters are going to go next. And it's to the CDC to pick up this this drug that is in there in which I think they believe is Diaz wants it to make a chemical weapon. And by the end of the episode, we're finding out something completely different. And by the end of the episode, again, apologize for jumping to the back. We find out that, you know, when Diaz was knocked off that building in the, se in the season finale of Six... His every bone in his body was broken, and somehow now he's completely healed from this. And this drug has something to do with it, in my opinion. Like I think that's what they're leading us to believe is that he's kind of boosted himself because of whatever this drug is. Because I'm I'm very curious that this actually connects to another character, uh, Derek Sampson. Uh, maybe he's got he they found a way to kind of use what Sampson's abilities kind of are because Sampson does not feel pain. Um, maybe that's what 
Diaz is using, something that's kind of a chemical compound of what's similar in Derek Simpson's character. So that could be maybe where they're going. I'm not quite sure, but that's that's where my brain was trying to connect. Could this so. could this drug, in essence, be a mix of a couple of different things? I mean, this could be an ultimate serum of a sorts where it's kind of, you know, as you mentioned, sort of what you know makes Derek Sampson the way he is but at the same time we're finding out that it's making him stronger at the same time so this could be a little bit of Mirakuru mixed into the blend I think very well could be Mirakuru they, they could have done anything with this so I, I'm very curious to see how this is going to function but yeah I'm, I'm all for all for seeing where this is going to go um you know again I'm going to echo my statements from last week um Diaz not really feeling like a terrifying villain right now. Um, he's he's sloppy still. And I think that does work uh, right now for his character. And I kind of like the fact that, that we're showing a very desperate man kind of fight, fighting back any way he can. And again, we, we're not seeing him really heavily involved in fights and combat. Uh, just little bits and pieces. You know, he's definitely not the same physical threat that he was. But I think... Based on what we find out about this drug, I think that's going to change it. It's going to change very soon. Oh, yeah. So. I, I think he's I mean, I think he's definitely on the verge of not only becoming the same physical threat that he was, but surpassing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at the fact that he's he may not his body may not be adjusted yet to, you know, having to heal from every bone and it being broken. And we do know that, you know, even before that happened, Diaz himself was a skilled fighter. I mean, he he put Oliver to task when they were going head to head and you know, you combine that with the fact of when his body is healed and he's able to do that again, combined with whatever this drug is giving him added strength at the same time, not only is he going to be as formidable as he was, I, I think by halfway through this season, I think Diaz is going to be two or three times more formidable than he was. Yeah. And it's going to be very interesting when him and Oliver are going to have to come to blows again, you know, to wrap all this up because he's going to be a very different person but i think oliver is going to be a very different person at the same time yeah yeah very much so um i mean beyond that yeah, there's not much more to say in that whole cdc storyline we do see uh uh agent watson uh getting uh once we find out that diaz gets away as well as the longbow hunters that um things don't go too well for her uh, she since she kind of went in a, without results uh, she is being reassigned. So I think we are saying goodbye to Agent Watson permanently in uh, Arrow. I would not be surprised if we don't see her again. And if we do see her again, uh, I think it's going to be in a very small capacity. So See, I had a little bit, I, like, and I agree with that completely. I think we're probably seeing saying goodbye to her for a while. But one of the things that I kind of made me believe otherwise is the fact that we we did see Agent Watson for the first time uh, being introduced to her character. We see her kind of hold her own because she does go one-on-one -on -one with Red Dart. And she handles herself pretty well. I mean, she survives the fight. To me, that's handling yourself pretty well when it, go when it comes to getting these people. So I think if we do see uh, Amanda Watson show up at any point in time in the future, it's not going to be in an FBI capacity. I think she's just going to be called in to help the team. And yeah, I, I think it's I think there's a possibility there, you know, but other than I don't think it's going to be for a while. Yeah. Um, one of the other big things, too, is, again, uh, we find out near the end of the episode, if we have to jump forward a little bit into that storyline, uh, while Kodiak, Diaz and Red Dart do get away, we find out that we get a small win for uh, for the uh, for the old old school team arrow and a little bit of the outsiders in this mix. Um, I don't even know what to call them right now. They're they're. It, it, 
you know, <laughs> they're they're kind of all outsiders at this point. They're they're uh, Arrow Team Beta. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so we see Felicity uh, and uh, oh my God, Renee. Uh, we find out that they did manage to capture Silencer. So uh, we're gonna see where that's gonna go very very soon. And it looks like they're everybody's about to, everybody's cross again here playing into that title of this episode, crossing lines. Uh, them taking a hostage, um, and then we get into Oliver's story, and uh, he goes in interesting places too. So, well, not only that, but interesting to, to note too that Felicity uh, flat out lied to Watson. Yeah, um, you know, so I don't. There's a side of Felicity here that I'm kind of confused on, not confused on, but kind of I just don't know what to think at this point, because you know we see her from the beginning of this episode. She is extremely passionate about catching Diaz. And she's willing to go to any lengths at this point. I think this is the most passionate we've ever seen her about anything in this show, in this series. And it's definitely shining through. And there are parts of me at some times where I'm just like, okay, Felicity, calm down. Like, you're, you're going a little too hard and too fast on this. And then I, there are other points where I'm thinking about it and I'm like, no, this is exactly how she should be in this situation. Like, you have to push forward because otherwise nothing's going to get done, especially with Oliver behind bars. And, you know, I, I was kind of torn at that moment when I heard her, you know, she tells Watson, Silencer got away. And it threw me for a minute because literally a minute before that, she just told Renee, like, you can't let her get away. And mm -hmm. in the very next scene, she's telling Watson, Silencer got away. I'm like, but what? Like, that, that was fast. You just sent Renee after her. And then we see by the end of the episode, like, oh, they really did catch Silencer. Wait a minute. Like, she flat out lied to Watson. Yeah, which, you know what? I will say this. Last week, I was a little concerned about where Felicity's character was going. By the end of this, I kind of like her new direction. And right that's now. what I'm talking about. Like, last week, I was kind of like, okay, you're going a little too hard too fast. Like, you're, you're a little overly passionate about this. And by this week, I'm like, no, I kind of understand it now. Like, this is how yeah. you need to be. It made sense, and I think it worked, and I think it was the right call for the show. I really do. Uh, the one thing I will say right now is it feels like um, the importance of characters, though, like Curtis, uh, Renee, and uh, Dinah are are starting to wane. Um, it doesn't feel like they have as much to do uh, anymore. Uh, you know, we're seeing a little bit at, more out of Renee, a little bit more out of Dinah here and there. Uh, Dinah very much taking on the role more of, like, Quentin versus Black Canary. Yeah which has been kind of interesting to see that transition, but it makes her feel like more of a bit player at this point in time. Uh, same with Renee. And especially when we jump to another side story that we have this week, which was with Lila and dig and Curtis. So, uh, Curtis having a very, very small role in any of this. And really they're purely for comic relief and comic relief alone. Um, and it makes me wonder if, the writers and Beth Schwartz is the new showrunner are kind of like, well, we don't know really what right now, or maybe we need to distance a little bit from, uh, you know, the outsiders and let them kind of take a bit of a backseat, remind everybody about the importance of the original core core cast, and then give the, uh, um, you know, the outsiders a little bit more to do uh, to kind of rinse that bad taste out of our mouths from last season. And I think if that's the case, that's probably the right call. And I think they're, they're handling that the right way so yeah i mean but you're absolutely right too with with the whole curtis aspect of everything in that he really was purely just comic relief 
uh, for for the most part. I, you know, for like ninety percent of it, he was comic relief. There well, were he kind of has been since since the start of this season. Yeah, uh, but since even we've seen him. So. But even more so with this episode. I mean, to the point of obviousness. You know, when they're going into the bank, and the last thing you hear him say before the door closes is, "Hey, can you get me a free toaster?" Like that's like okay, that's flat out comic relief and to me it kind of felt off-putting because i didn't feel like that was something maybe i'm wrong and it is something that curtis would have said but to me that felt very forced it did it felt like a forced moment um you know forced for the for the fact of comic relief so i mean curtis has always had moments of levity throughout the introduction you know since the introduction of his character but it's always been a little off collar and kind of you know fit into the the you know the vernacular better Th- that comment though that line yeah, it just felt very forced to me yeah um now do you want to go in do you want to handle the lila and diggle at all so. well i mean we did see that you know the the purpose of curtis there was they brought that piece of art in because they wanted to get the 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 records from the computer of the the manager of the bank in which they did accomplish but you know curtis did find out there was another signal piggybacking off of that to copy all of that material and we find out, well, Curtis is the one that kind of discovers that the person piggybacking on it and stealing the, stealing the content for her, for themselves is none other than Lila. And, you know, Lila is doing it for, and this is where I get a little cloudy because I think I kind of blanked no, out I, a little bit. No, I got bit. confused about this too, okay. so it's okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one. We're finding out that she did it for, uh, to give the material to somebody else. And I'm kind of confused on who that person was. Well, we didn't get an answer on that, but basically we're led to believe that something dirty is happening inside Cadmus. Uh, and she's trying inside to... Inside Cadmus? Or not, uh, Argus? not Cadmus. Uh, Argus, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> something as dirty is happening inside Argus above her. Uh, and uh, she's trying to get to the bottom of this. And I think this outside person is going to be that person to help maybe kind of crack that. So we're seeing a little bit more of detective work, I think, out of Lila. And I, I'm happy to see her character into the show and hopefully integrated a little bit more because I always thought she was a really strong and interesting character. And I think it added a lot to Diggle as well. So I hope they get to, we get to see a little something special with her. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's you know, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. And, you know, it seemed like there was a little bit of a broken trust between Diggle and Lila there for a short period of time. But by the end, it's all resolved. And, you know, we see the two of them, you know, John apologizes. This is, hey, you know, I, I shouldn't have questioned why you were doing this. I should have trusted you. And, and I apologize. And I'm on board for whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. And, and I support it. So, uh, yeah, uh, not a lot entailed into that. But, you know, by the end of it, it, it's still a little confusing. Hopefully we get to see a little bit more of it as we progress further. Yeah. Uh, I think the only thing left to do is kind of jump into the Oliver moments of this episode in i mean again kudos to the fight choreography for of this show not just for the dinah and silencer fight which i do admit while i do still have issues with silencer was an, an awesome fight uh but we see a close quarter fight with oliver and black tiger and or bronze tiger, bronze yeah, tiger yeah. sorry uh bronze tiger and a number of other inmates uh you know inside of a cell which is uh kind of cool and it's shot, and the majority of it shot from above, which I thought was a great dynamic of the fight. Yeah, it looked great. Uh, a lot of great action in this, and we kind of see a reverse version of the. It feels like the prison stuff is a reverse version of the raid. Got to get lower and lower and lower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, get down to level two, uh, and I'm like, you know what? I'm behind this. I'm all good with this. This is kind of an interesting take on all all all, all of this kind of boiling down, and we find out that uh, 
There's somebody by the name of the demon inside Slabside that's kind of pulling the strings. When we hear the demon, I think all of us are like, Ra's al Ghul? Yeah, is that's Rachel what I was thinking. I'm like, like wait this? a minute. Ra's is not in prison. You know, we never know. You never know what's happening in this world. So uh, they could do anything they want. But I th- I would not be surprised if we get some big reveal when we uh, when we meet the demon, if it's somebody that we know of. So big wait and see. Yeah, I'm very curious because, you know, we haven't seen any casting or anything like that of uh, of, of who the demon might be or or such. But so it's I'm thinking most likely whoever this person is, is somebody that we've already met before absolutely that's where my brain's thinking too um do you have any guesses as to who it might be (sighs) i have one cupid and lady cop oh my (laughs) god i'd stop watching (laughs) i would stop watching immediately um Uh, yeah i actually have no idea on who i think it's gonna be at this point um and this is my only thing is if the demon is new to prison or if the demon has been there for a while and that is my only thing leading to this because I feel like the demon is going to be somebody that Oliver already knows. And if the demon is kind of relatively new to prison, I have an idea. If it's somebody who's been there for a while and it's going to be, end up being a familiar face, kind of like Bronze Tiger or Derek Sampson, um, then I have no idea who it is. Uh, the only name that comes to my mind is Anatoly. Oh, that could be interesting. Because we do know Anatoly is returning this season. We just don't know how. Um, that would honestly be the coolest. <laughs> so if it if it ends up being Anatoly, um, man, oh, man, I, I'm, I'm pumped and ready and excited to see where <laughs> things are going to go. So That's really the only thing I can think of. That's the only person that kind of sticks out in my head right now as to who it could possibly be. Yeah, we'll see. It's a big wait and see. Yeah, um, yeah I, 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 either that or I, it's, it's going to be a big surprise. Um, the only other one I think that could that that would be better than Anatoly is if uh, we find out who's down there is Malcolm Merlin. Ooh, that could be a good one too. But then how would he end up from Lian Yu to prison? We don't know. That's true. <laughs> I mean, because uh, it would make sense since he kind of did take over the Raz Agul, uh, you know, position. And, you know, Raz being the demon. So, in essence, it could be Raj al Ghul that's the demon, except it's Malcolm Merlin. Uh, I mean, we never saw a body. And, again, I wouldn't be surprised if they say, hey, you know what? Uh, we got to find a way to bring him back. And you know that uh, <laughs> Behrman would be like, yes, let's do it. Yeah, but, so. I mean, don't you think we would have heard something by now if Behrman was returning to the cast? Maybe, maybe not. They've they've had a couple big surprises in the past, so it's a big wait and see. It's, that's very but, true. Who knows? Uh, you know what? I, I think regardless, I think even if it's a new character, I'm excited to see where the storyline is going to go. Uh, but I, my guess is right now we're, we're probably getting ready to say uh, get, say goodbye to Derek Sampson, Bronze Tiger, and Brick. And, um, and that kind of bums me out because uh, all three actors are phenomenal. Cody Rhodes, uh, or Cody Runnels as he goes by now, is, you know, fantastic as Derek Sampson. I love seeing him pop up any chance he gets, especially knowing that uh, – you know, Cody and, and Steven are friends in real life. Uh, Michael Jai White is is fantastic actor. But man, Vinnie Jones is just a badass. Like, I love Vinnie Jones in anything that he does. Yeah, he, he's just a rock star. But it's funny. Every time I see him, you know, all I can think of is Gareth from Gallivant. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I didn't even think about that. Uh, it just makes me smile. What's but that, that you smell? Know what? Testosterone. <laughs> musky 
<laughs> I miss Gallivant. That was such oh, a fantastic was such show. The, one of the best shows ever. So, uh, but yeah, um, you know, that kind of like all we know is you know uh, we get to the end, uh, we see Oliver shank a prison guard, um, uh, and basically, you know, after Brick basically tells him, "You're not will, we know you, and we know you're not willing to go to the net to that point that's going to get you set down the sea, down to the sea of the demon." And uh, we see Oliver disprove that theory very fast. I just had a very interesting thought. And I'm probably way off on this. But, and then I'll, I'll mention this and then we can, we can wrap things up and talk about next week and move on. I've been feeling for a while that there is something more to Stanley. What if Stanley is the demon? I would not be surprised if that And too. the demon has been living among them. I would not be surprised with that as well. Um, that he's not a simple kind of person, um, and they've all been playing him. So it, it could be it could be anything though. So, uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how it's going to break down. Because, me, yeah. uh, me as well. I, uh, again, really strong episode. I just think uh, would have liked to have seen a little bit more. I think the 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 Lyle and Diggle story kind of drug it down a little bit to the point where it just didn't quite hit that hero, but it was super super close. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to uh, this week, uh, you know, season seven, episode four, level two. Oliver and Felicity make drastic moves to find Diaz. The new Green Arrow is going to be returning, swooping in when uh, arsonists target Renee's community center. So yeah, so we're going to be seeing more. Uh, looks like some more grounded stuff. It looks like Rene, uh, Renee's going to be taking on the the wild dog persona at least one more time. We're going to see the Green Arrow. We're going to see the return of uh, Ricard um, uh, Diaz. And Colton Haynes in the episode as well. So it looks like we're going to get another flash forward of some sign, some kind. Cool. All right. Moving on to Legends of Tomorrow, season four, episode two, titled Witch Hunt. When the magical time seismograph goes off, the team finds themselves headed to the Salem Witch Trials. Sarah notices that Zarya is taking the case personally when she promises to save a mom. Uh, however, the team learns that there is a magical creature in town creating problems they hadn't been expecting. Um, so not only a lot of fun in this episode, but it seems like <laughs> it, it, it seems like we're headed for a dynamic shift in one of the characters and I'm actually okay with it. I think it's a good fit. Oh, I'm worried about it. I am. I'm not going to lie. I'm actually incredibly worried about what they're doing with Nate because oh, oh, yeah, let's just jump into it because you know, because here's the thing, like. Through this episode, we see Nate working with Time Bureau um, really closely. We we see a lot between him and Ava Sharp and Gary, uh, basically there to help pitch the budget to the Department of Defense. So, yeah. as we expected last week, that we're going to find out that Henry Haywood, aka Biff Tannen, aka <laughs> sorry um, Tom Wilson, yep. uh, is 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 actually working for the government in some big way. We were you were originally expecting maybe it's the time bureau, but we do find out hey, nope, he's working uh, as a uh, uh, pretty much one of the heads of the DOD. So but, but he is aware of the time bureau. So Exactly. Uh, he's not working for the time bureau as I predicted, but I did have a feeling he was alongside. Going, yeah. He he was going to find out that Nate was indeed a legend um and he was going to kind of be hesitant to ex to accept him as a hero uh in which we got a little bit of an element of that you know he he kind of says at the end of the episode so this is what you're doing with your degree and you know nate kind of shrugs it off and hank's like take that as the win 
And, yeah. you know, so we're, we're, we're getting a little bit of it. He's not working directly with the Time Bureau, but he's working alongside of them. So I was, I was kind of right, but not exactly right. Yeah, you were, you were very you, – you were in the ballpark, sir. I'll take it as a win. Yeah, you'll take it as a win. <laughs> I'll take the win. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, so I – we do find out through the course of this episode that uh, it sounds like, uh, you know, Ava really needs Nate to kind of help run the ship at this point in time. Uh, and it, when we get to the end of the episode, he has a choice to make of whether he's going to hang back with the Time Bureau off the Wave Rider for a little bit or he's going to go back with the crew and kind of cause chaos. Um and he opts to stay. And at that moment, man, there was a look that Brandon Routh gave. It looked like you kicked a puppy. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, I was like, and that was my concern. I was like, but I love the dynamic between Nate and Ray so much. To not have that functioning normally really concerns me a little bit. Well, here's, because but here's they, my... they, they have the some of the best chemistry on that show together. That for him not to be a normal part of that, I think is going to be it's going to be interesting and weird. Well, here's my thing about it, though, and here's the way I look at it. And I do I do agree with what you're saying in that, you know, yes, it was really heartbreaking to see Ray's face because he looked heartbroken. Like, he, his best friend is staying behind. And, and I do definitely see that. But, you know, we're talking about a time period now where it's been very clear throughout this episode that it doesn't matter where in time they are. They can they can very easily open the porter portal and not only step back into the time bureau uh, into the wave rider, but the opposite can be the same and they can step immediately into the time bureau. There's now a direct connection between the two. So, which I'm I'm thinking really sets up a lot of interesting things for the future too, because now if there's ever a point in time where the legends have to return back to the current time, all they have to do is step through a portal. Now they don't have to worry about getting the wave rider there. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, with Nate staying behind, I think this is a great fit for his character because even in the times we've seen him lately on the Wave Rider, we haven't seen him steal up. This is the first time we saw him do it in a while, and it was simply just to show his father that he's a hero. I think in in some ways, I'm not saying this is a permanent choice for him. I think I think we're going to see him return to the Wave Rider eventually. But I think this is going to make his character stronger. I think he's going to. I do too. I think this he's is gonna, a big growth for him. It, yeah. Exactly. And I would not be surprised if this, in a way, is shaping Nate to become the new. Um, oh, my God. Um, Rip. For, it, 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 for it the be. ship. He could be the newest member of the Time Bureau that rides along. I mean, because if you think about it, that's exactly who Rip was. He was a member of the Time Bureau. He put this team together and he kind of, you know, led them for a little while. Now, Sarah is a fantastic leader for the Legends, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is, you know, a way to kind of form Nate into the next Rip. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to see Sarah Lance step down. No, I don't either. Captain ever. I think that's, that is, she is probably the permanent fixture. Uh, and I think for them to take that away at any point in time in the future, um, I think could be very damaging to the show. But I do think you're right. I think I, we could see him kind of becoming a rip character. But I think really more more than anything, we're going to see this just evolve the relationship between him and his dad and how that plays and kind of building up his character and who he is as a person. Because we do know we the ha we have a returning cast member coming, uh, and that's Maisie Richard Sellers' new character. I think it's about Charlie, I believe is the name. Uh, and I think um, that's this week. 
too. It's this week. Yeah. Uh, and that's going to impact Nate in a big, bad way. So uh, I, I think we did hear early on in the summertime when we were talking about the show and some of the news that we did know when con- that we're going to see a mixture of Nate off the ship uh, for part of the season. And that's really to help kind of grow Constantine with the core of the cast. And then once he's kind of assembled and kind of like uh, assembled into that mixture, uh, you know, in the, in the proper way, then, then they're going to be bringing Nate back in. I think this is a really smart move to kind of assimilate the new cast with a tighter group. And then you only have to worry about Nate and John kind of melding later where he's already melded with everyone else. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a, that's a smart way to do this. Again, it's just my favorite two characters interactions together are again, Nate and Ray. So for that not to be a more consistent thing, I think that's the only thing that bumps me out just a little bit. Yeah, no, and I, I can see that too. And I can understand that as well, but I think, um, you know, without Nate and, and somebody said it over the course of extra life too. Uh, I don't remember who it was, but, um, you know, one of our friends during Extra Life had said one of the things they don't like about Legends of Tomorrow is the fact that they kind of portray Nate and Ray as like these bumbling idiot characters. And I, I don't feel like that's been the case at all. And I think this is actually for anybody who's felt that way about these characters. I think this is a good step in the right direction because this is going to change those opinions. I think we're going to see. Uh, you know, I, if anything, I could see Nate and Ray kind of leaning too much on their friendship or the writers leaning too much on their friendship and it, it kind of coming across that way to some people. But I think this, you know, this decision to keep Nate behind is, is going to make him a stronger character uh, and kind of mature his character a little bit. And I think the same is going to be said about Ray. I think we're going to see Ray develop new connections with some of the other characters as well. We're seeing, we're seeing him and Zari kind of forming a, a stronger friendship bond now, too. And yeah. I think that's... I think you're right. That is a really strong idea because in all honesty, like when you think of uh, the way that um, Nate and Ray kind of function in the show is they're essentially, you know, uh, Ted Cord and Booster Gold. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that, well, they're, well, they're sorry. They're, they're, they're yeah, Michael Carter and, and Ted Cord. They're, they're Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. They're that classic blue and gold team that are these fun, lovable characters that don't take anything too, too seriously and have fun running around and kind of causing chaos together. Uh, but at the same time being heroes and that's who they are. And I think that's what makes them so much fun and so endearing. They're not that they're goofy. It's just they're lovable and it's impossible not to enjoy them. And I think that's really where some maybe DC fans are like, but that's not Ray Palmer. You know, that's that's not command or, you know, Citizen Steel, you know, it, and I'm like, well, no. But again, these shows, we, we always view it and we always say it a thousand and one times. This is the multiverse of it all. It, it's it's the it's the DC universe. Um, anything can happen. This could be in any world. I love these new interpretations of some of these characters because they're not what we expect a lot of times as we see these characters grow. But it's really great to have a show like this where it feels like every time that you start an episode of Legends of Tomorrow, it feels like you're you're opening page one of a comic book. Uh, that's a single story that has this maybe interweaving thing that's going to be playing out over the year. Um, but it does it in a really fun way where it feels like anybody that really likes superheroes but wants a light superhero affair can, can step in, watch an episode. Like, they're really fun characters, and I, I want to give these guys a shot. They yeah. and they are. that Legends is the underdog show. We all know it's the underdog show. Um, and I love rooting for the underdog because, man, oh, man, they try the hardest. And I think they really achieve what – they're achieving what they're setting out to do. So Yeah, no, I, I agree with that completely. So, I mean, I can kind of see where they're going with this. And again, I'm 
I'm I'm okay with it. I, I'm, yeah, I yeah, you know what? Like I said, it, it again. It's just kind of like it. It was his face at the end. It was like again, somebody kicked a puppy in front in front of Ray, and he's just like, <laughs> oh no, and then just kind of walks away. And I'm like, you just expected the sad Hulk music as he's walking through the portal back on the ship. Yeah, it was it it it, it kicked you in the heartstrings because we care about these characters so much. Exactly. So, yeah. uh, I think one of the other interesting things to mention about the episode, uh, kind of breaking away from the whole Nate and uh, the Time Bureau storyline of the fact is last week we had said you know by the end of the episode we we expected it taking a little bit of time before john constantine was going to be joining the group uh and we were kind of wrong he's on board the wave rider by the beginning of this episode and i just love that where's john he's just kind of just like dragging his trunks into the but one of my favorite things is him is like i am not wearing any dumb stupid costumes uh but my favorite small little scene in this episode hands down was watching him and Mick butt heads over kind of like the hangout space, <laughs> which was <Yes>. fantastic. <laughs> so, uh, and he's just Excuse kind of like, I want to watch the game. He's like, I already have the fo- like, football game on. And it's just, he's watching soccer. And you can definitely see Mick's head kind of starting to break down a little bit. And he just, and at the one point he's like, the game's already started. Would you like a, would you like a Marmite trim, uh, like, a crumpet or something like that and i'm just like oh god i'm like i'm kind of on mix side with this one like who the hell eats marmite that's horrible <laughs> but yeah that's uh you know I, it's great seeing these dynamics i think we're gonna get a lot of those dynamics with john and all the characters throughout this at least towards the very beginning um you know we kind of got that dy- that interesting dynamic of john and ava last week which we had already seen last season too um, you know, and the the dynamic between John and Sarah has always been interesting because of their past. We got to see it a little bit this week with Mick. I think as the next couple episodes progress, we're going to get little tastes of that with all the other characters as he's adjusting to being a new member, not a legend, just a passenger on the Wave Rider, as he puts it. Yeah, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing that because they're doing a great job. They yeah. really are doing a great job. Exactly. So. Uh, it was also interesting to see, too, that, you know, when they get to Salem and they find out what is actually actually behind uh you know all of these crazy things happening you know from the murder of crows oh that's what they call it that um Uh you know from to you know to all these different things happening is not a witch uh it is not a demon but it is a fairy godmother uh which again i'm going into this show not watching any advanced previews i am i'm not doing it either we watched the early you know the the promos for the season uh, uh, ahead of time. But uh, so we knew there was a fairy godmother coming, but we didn't know much about how she was going to function or be portrayed. But man, oh man, it was like a Disney fairy godmother come yes. to life. Uh, like she was singing her lines. Did She was fantastic. And just she watch, did... just watching the rest of the, um, the, the rest of the legends just kind of like shrugging and like looking like what the hell is going on as she's singing the lines and everything oh my god it was so fantastic and so much fun to watch it just raids it's like that was really catchy too you know <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> and of course of all the characters to feel that way it's ray of course and i love him he just makes me smile and but, but he, he... yeah but jane carr is such phenomenal casting for that role as too for that role she was too. wonderful. She was so wonderful. Yeah, I, I just I I love seeing her pop up and everything. I mean, I've seen her pop up in everything from like Austin Powers and episodes of Friends, and like she's just a, a fantastic character actress. That that was like a perfect role for her to be the fairy godmother. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, uh, you know what? Uh, we we do see a lot of Zari again this episode, and I'm, I think they're doing a really great job. 
with her character. I mean, you know, she had a really slow build up last season. And uh, man, I, I love the fact that she's still kind of functioning through all of this with that same heart of kind of like there are small things we can change. And well, they said this person's dead, but that we, means we can just move them elsewhere. I just I feel like by the end of this. And Thanoscara is going to be full of badass people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought about that, too. And I was like, oh, I wonder if they're going to take her to Themyscira. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like they did it's everybody all, else. It's always a possibility. You yeah. never know. But, but uh, you know what? I think, again, the fairy godmother angle of this this episode was great, though, too, because I love that John had such a massive ulterior, ulterior motive, you know, as they're trying to save, you know, the, the woman from being burned at the stake. Uh, and I can't remember her name for the life of me, uh, but it's actually the real historical person that was one of the last people burned. Jane at the Hawthorne. Stake in Salem. Yes. Yeah. It was one of the last people burned at the stake in, in, uh, in Salem. Um, and I thought that they did that incredibly well and they handled, handled that storyline in a really wonderful way and did a great job of it. But I love the fact that Zari's anger really got the better of her kind of connecting to where we were at last, uh, last episode where we see that moment on the swing set between her and, and Ray kind of looking at her mother. And it's kind of like, you know, the world gets so much worse. Uh, and it's like, how, and then that's that kid saying, you know, is this going to get any better? Um, and she's like, no, it really doesn't. But people get stronger. So it, well, it's, well, it was really wonderfully written. Well, here's an interesting question for you too. Um, you know, we did hear a uh, rumor that there is a possibility that one of the legends could potentially turn on them and, uh, to a degree, be an element of the big bad this season. Do we think that could be Zari? I think it could be. I, I really do think it's a possibility because, well, um, you know what? It, it's it's that or it's going to be John. Um, I would not be surprised if it's actually John uh, because we saw him in this episode, even with as bad as the fairy godmother was, trying to broker a deal with her. You know, kind yeah. of like, hey, if you do this for me uh, – uh, I will send you to fiery hell and torment. And she makes that comment. She's like, nope, go ahead and send me there. I know what's coming for you and you can't get away from it. And boy, oh boy, do I not want to be the one to deal with that. Yeah. Uh, so we know whatever's coming and, and that's coming big is, is got a you know, grudge match and a half out for John. Uh, and it sounds like it's going to be a, a massive, massive threat. So uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how that whole thing's going to play out. Uh, but that was a great way to do that because the fairy godmother wasn't exactly the nicest person in the world. No, she really uh, wasn't. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, what really is coming down down the tracks. But we're seeing John very much willing to to broker some nasty deals to save his save his hide. So I would not be surprised to see if it's actually him. Uh, uh, Zari's got a good heart, but I, I think John, until he really gels with the team and he actually feels like he really cares about them. Not just in passing, but just generally cares about him. He's a, uh, there's a high chance it's going to be him. Okay, uh, no, I can I can definitely see that at, as well. At the same time, uh, final note on Zari uh, too. We did get to see something very interesting, uh, and that is the totem has melted. And you know we well, do. That's, that's, that's the jewelry piece, but the, the, the stone itself is the sick. stone itself is still intact. And um, we, I'm curious. If maybe this is kind of because we do know that last season the totems were a big focus of, you know, of the story. And, it, you know, we, we've gotten away from that now. Now we're into something different. Is this kind of a way to maybe tone that down a little bit? Like we've gotten rid of the totem element of the show, but the jewel still exists. So we know Zari still has her powers from the totem. And this is just kind of a way to kind of take the attention off the totem part. Um, I think maybe a little bit. I, I think that's a good possibility. 
Uh, but you know, again, we we still know she has her powers, so that's that's the important part. So I think maybe either that or it's a costume change. They're they're gonna find a way to and, tone down tone and, down the the look of it a little bit. And that's so. what I mean. Like maybe they'll give her a costume now that has the jewel embedded in the costume, rather than her just wearing like a totem that she could very easily lose. Right, like she so. has last season. I think this is a way to kind of reel that in a little bit, because mm-hmm. otherwise, what would be the point of having the 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 necklace melt? Yeah, I, I really so, don't see what the point of that would be. Yeah, we're gonna see how that whole thing breaks down and boils down. Uh, there is a small thing we absolutely, absolutely have to talk about, uh, and that is when they bring uh, you know Hawthorne's daughter onto uh, the Wave Rider. Um, <laughs> I know where you're going. They they say, hey, you know, you can kind of like kick back a little bit. Uh, here, why don't you play a game or something? And it was Bemo Blocks. <laughs> Which needs uh, to be real. It really does. Because I will I, have I, it on my phone. I love, love, love <laughs> the fact that they threw Bebo into the episode. They snuck him in again. Uh, that has become a catchphrase in our house uh, between me and my wife. Bebo, so, needs uh, to be, Bebo needs to be an actual toy line. Really. DC, get on this. I, 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 it needs to happen. It really has to happen. I need <laughs> so, a stuffed Bebo. I really I, do. I, I, I know. <laughs> I, 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 <sighs> we'll end up Hopefully. buying like 10 of them and using them as giveaways. Oh, my God. No, I'm just going to have a small army of Bebos inside my house. <laughs> it's all right because I'll have the other half. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the other funny things, too, in this episode, we do see the fairy godmother turn both Mick and... And Ray into pigs, kind of a nice uh, kind of callback to an old episode of uh, Justice League Unlimited, where we see, I think it's Cersei actually turns uh, Wonder Woman into a pig, and Batman's got to take care of her throughout the episode. Uh, it's the episode we actually see Batman sing, too, if memory serves correctly. But kind of a nice kind of callback to that. Uh, but I love when we see what, what they're doing. You know, Ray is just kind of hanging back, and they're like, where's Mick? And it's just Mick eating as a pig. And I'm like, that, <laughs> eating Doritos and, and like, junk that, food. That's about right. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. Uh, but it, again, it ends in that fantastic sequence with with Nate, you know, at the DOD trying to pitch and then trying to prove magic is real. Um, and we get that hysterical moment between him holding a naked ray and he steals up. and He's like, see, magic is real. Also, I'm a superhero. Yeah. And it was just, <laughs> just such a funny, quick little twist of uh, the episode. But yeah. Really, again, strong, strong episode again for Legends. And I so. think the only other thing I want to make mention of before we move on to is um, I was a fan of the character last episode or last season, uh, but even more so just in these two episodes so far. Uh, Jess McKellen being a season regular as Ava Sharp has been such a fantastic new addition to to the show as well. And, you know, with John Constantine and, and, uh, and Ava Sharp being season regulars now, I, I think adds such a new interesting dynamic for both of them and, and gary it continues to just make me smile <laughs> yes especially when he went i got my hand stuck in the tube <laughs> like he's he's another great like moment of levity and and such added to it too yeah so, i got my nipple bitten off by a unicorn it's like gary put it away <laughs> <laughs> and ava just like with the look of oh my god like on her face is just absolutely uh, fantastic and wonderful show uh continues to make me smile and and just make me happy and it's the show that i'm still consistently the most excited to watch every week yeah so. yeah me too uh right. looking looking forward to next week season four episode three or this week rather uh season four episode three dancing queen when the legends discover a fugitive is hiding in 1970s london they realize he is a part of a gang that is targeting the british monarchy uh trying to stop the gang they realize uh, someone from the legends must infiltrate them. Some surprising everyone. Ray is to, 
Ray is the one to gain their trust after he has put through a series of tests with help from Sarah and Rory. I don't want to read too much because it's, it's a long synopsis and I don't want to give it all away. Cool. So, uh, all right. Final show of the week that we're going to be breaking down is season five, episode four of The Flash, titled News Flash. Uh, Barry and Iris face the ultimate parroting test. Uh, when Team Flash bottles spin, a savvy millennial, millennial armed with Meditech and a dangerous agenda for their daughter, Nora. Ralph is feeling defeated until an unlikely source issues a challenge to help boost his confidence. I don't think that's an unlikely source. I think we kind of saw that coming. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at, at this point. Um, so I want to start off with two words, and they are the two words that that took me from... High hero into legend territory, into low legend territory. Something I, again, with The Flash, I'm doing the same thing with The Flash I've been doing with all the shows, is I'm not watching the previews for next week. I am literally just going into all these shows every week as they air. I'm not looking forward at all. And two words came up that I did not expect, but I thought was a really cool aspect that could take the show in many different directions. We've already said them a couple times in this episode. Those two words, metatech. The reveal that technology can have metahuman abilities, or meta-abilities, rather. I remember I was watching the episode last night, and when that was revealed, that was my whoa moment. Like, I was like, okay, that's really cool. Things can change pretty dramatically now, and I, yes. I love the reasoning for this is the fact that the uh, the star lab satellite that devoe kind of laced with dark matter before he tried to begin the enlightenment when it came crashing down again heavily laced in dark matter so when that came crashing down that metal became very usable for uh for metas so uh but in addition to that though too it sounds more than more likely than not that some people were struck by that stuff and I, uh, and I was going to say the reason we have Cicada and that's probably why his daughter is knocked out and all these pieces and it is in a coma. That's why uh, spin has her abilities in this episode. It's because it's in her phone. It changes the game of the flash in such a big way. You know what? I'm going to give you, I'll, 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 I'll match you there and I'll, I'll go below to your legend. <laughs> yeah. See, it changes a I lot. I didn't really of, think about that. It, it changes does. a lot of dynamic. And I think you're right. I think we're, we're seeing by the end of, you know, we knew already that Cicada kind of had this wound. We didn't know exactly what it was. And I think now we're getting a better understanding is that this is most likely satellite shrapnel stuck in his shoulder. Yeah. And this is what's giving him. Uh, the I actually you know what and thinking about it I don't exactly think he is meta human at all I I think this this meta tech is actually killing him and it's the dagger it's the lightning bolt that is the meta tech and I think somehow the two of them are connected and in order to kind of relieve the pain from the meta tech, he uses the dagger to kind of suck the, the metahuman abilities from metahumans. Yeah. I don't think there's really anything metahuman about him, about Cicada at all. I think yeah, he's a normal of, human being. It's kind of, it's the Tony Stark thing where it's yeah. basically, it's puncturing a lung, which we know he's got a damaged lung from when they do a little bit of detective work in this episode. And man, oh man, I can't wait to talk about that. But... <laughs> I think that this worked out really, really well where we're seeing this person that's he's suffering and he knows if that's removed, he's going to die more than likely. His uh, his wife was severely hurt or maybe killed. And it's he's trying to take care of his daughter uh, and he knows his daughter needs somebody. So he's doing whatever he can to kind of hang tight and find a cure, find something that can save her. Uh, and the only way he can stay alive to do so is to kind of use these abilities the way he is. 
So I think it's really, really smart, and I'm looking forward to seeing where that's going to go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like I said, it's. I think this is that's one of the things that really bumped it up into legend territory for me was the the introduction of MetaTech. I, it was something that I never even really considered could even be a possibility. And now that we're seeing that, you know, you add the dynamic of metahumans already existing, and top put on top of that, literally they say it at the end of the episode that now literally anybody can be a danger. It's mm -hmm. not just metahumans anymore. Normal people with metatech in their hands could become a threat. So this literally, like you said, changes the game completely in that anyone could be a threat to the Flash. Absolutely. And I think that's probably what changes this season the biggest out of any previous changes we had. We, we had, you know, the kind of husks that created things like Wally and all that, uh, gaining powers, but... I think this is the one that makes it the most interesting. We're going to see, I think, such a different take on metas this season. I think that's a cool way to do it because there's only so many times you can go back to the particle accelerator explosion or the, you know, we had the bus metas, which we knew were a limited number. So they found a way to continue to create metas in different ways. And I think that's really interesting and cool. Um, so I'm all for it. And I think that's a great way to even kind of maybe bring in some of the rogues, you know, that we've not seen or new versions of the rogues that, you know, some of the classic rogues were never metas. They just had awesome tech. Uh, and this is a way to do it. So this is a really smart way to get us closer and closer to that classic Flash uh, in the comics that we see. So really and, awesome, different twist and take. Big thumbs up to the writers on that movie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and this is something that while, yes, is playing a very important part into our villain for this season, or at least our current villain for the season. We don't know if he's going to continue or they're going to do the same thing they did before and we're going to get a bigger bad uh you know into the second half of the season but this is this is something that's kind of going to be a continuous threat throughout the future of the series it's not just this season cuz there's no way you can go through and kind of reel in all of this shrapnel i think that's almost impossible yeah so i think this is something that's going to continue very heavily into the court into this the rest of the series not just yeah I'm, I'm really excited to see see where that goes uh let's get to the well spin itself as a character was a very very thin character we don't really i feel like we have to talk much it was a very classic villain of the week kind of thing that they did to introduce this new angle at the end um she was just kind of the catalyst to to give us that twist um and i think we might see her pop back up into play here and there every once in a while Kind of like the idea that there's a kind of a rival writer out there, but you know, more than likely, we're just seeing her gonna set to uh, set to Iron Heights and kind of locked away for quite some time. Yeah, but that's yeah, and you know what? That's another interesting dynamic too. Is I guess you you kind of have to make some kind of agreement with Iron Heights because you can't lock these people up in the pipeline. They're not well, metahumans. Yeah, well, and Iron Heights now too. Uh, they they have a meta wing, so hey. That's, oh, that's true. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> so, like I said, the pipeline doesn't even need to be there now. So, like, it can be anything that they want it to be. But I will say one of the things that was, you know, was interesting was seeing um, throughout the storyline finally getting the, the re you know, resolve and resolution on why Nora and Iris uh, aren't getting qu along quite well. And it's actually kind of interesting and a little interesting take that uh, Nora had a, uh, a power dampener chip implanted in her when she was young by iris um and basically out of probably the realm to protect her uh after you know the the disappearance or so-called death of barry in the future so yeah and you know it's um 
we could talk a little bit about that too because I, I kind of made a prediction. You know, we did find out, uh, you know, in a previous episode that, you know, because of Sherlock, that it's somebody kind of gave her the idea to come back in time, uh, you know, to to kind of change things. Now we're finding about finding out about this this dampener that chip that was in her shoulder that really that that kind of dampened her powers, and it wasn't until I think she said six months ago that she knew she had power. So she is still. I mean, we knew she was fresh faced and she was still learning how to become a hero, but she's this not is just... a very fresh wound for her, though, too. Well, so. not yeah. I mean, and when we say fresh faced, I was thinking, OK, she's been, you know, honing her powers and doing this for a couple years now. No, she's only been a hero. She's only known she's had powers for six months. Mm-hmm. I mean, that changes the game a little bit and gives you a little bit of a better understanding as to why she is as fresh faced as she is. But. You know, kind of tying in the whole, was it somebody who sent you to do this? And, you know, now with this chip and we're finding out that Iris put her, had in her all her life. It adds and adds a very interesting question. And I had a theory about this last week and I'm kind of still playing into that theory, but I'm kind of broadening it out a little bit more. And you and I talked about this a little bit when we were prepping. And the question now is... One, there's now two questions, and I think they kind of go hand in hand now. First question is, why did Iris do that? Because all we know now is that, you know, Iris says, I'm sure it had a good reason, and Barry defends her on that. I'm sure whatever the reason is, it was good. It was a good one. But last week was the question arose was who was the one that gave her the idea to come back and, and change things? And my theory, I my theory last week was that it was Sherlock. That was probably, it was the future version of Sherlock that did this. And I'm still sticking to that into the degree where I'm saying my theory is that it's somebody from the current Team Flash. I yeah. think it has to be. Because, and, and I'll use the same logic that I told you when we ta- when we discussed this. Nora never knew she had powers. This <clears throat> chip has been in her all her life. So, she, yeah. so there was nobody that she could have told she had abilities. So it's not an outside force. Iris is the only one that knew if Barry was gone. The only other people who could have known that Nora had powers outside of Nora and anyone she told, which was no one, is somebody from Team Flash. Yeah, and that's where things can get interesting. And it could be so many characters. It could be it could be Papa Joe and Mama Cecile. <laughs> it could be... Could be Cisco. Could be Dan... It, uh, not Danielle. Uh, it could be Caitlin. Could be Cisco. Could be Ralph. Could be Sherlock. It could be anybody at this point. It could be a character we don't even know yet. True. So. But I think whoever it is, I think it is a member of current Team Flash. Or and again, a, a, it, a member of Team Flash. And, and, and if it's not, it easily could be Cicada in the future. So, um, No, but Cicada you know, in the future was a different person. Well, does well. They said he was never caught in that timeline, so nobody knows really who he was. We only know that it was David Hirsch in alternate Earths. We don't know about the Earth that Nora's from, because nobody knew. Again, I would also still not be surprised if uh, her love at the Flash Museum maybe ties into it a little bit. So, and uh, I would not be surprised if we see a return to the Flash Museum at some point in the future. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. It's it's an interesting thing to think about and because kind of... we, we still have that connection of why did cicada dart away when he saw xs that still connects into that somewhere so 
Okay. Big wait and see. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's jump into the Ralph and Sherlock element, which I, I'm going to turn over to you because I know you 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 really want to talk about this. Uh, you know what? One of the things I really loved that they've been doing with Ralph Dibney is really focusing on his ability to be, uh, you know, the big, huge detective. In DC Comics, they always say he's like one of the three smartest minds in the entire DC universe next to Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor. So it, it's amazing to see them finally really hone that in. And we're starting to see that play off. And I love the new dynamic we're seeing. Normally, we're so used to seeing a Wells and Cisco kind of meshing. And this time it feels like we're going to see Ralph and Wells blend and mix. Um, and I, I think that's going to be a really fun, interesting twist and take. But so far, I will say uh, I'm, I'm coming around on this new Wells. I think it's really good. The only one thing I will say with um, with this interpretation is that accent keeps dipping in and out. And it feels like it's just not consistent, um, which sometimes <laughs> feels a little weird. <laughs> so, um, But you know what? At the same time, though, too. It's Tom Cavanaugh, and I'm more than happy anytime he, he gets to have some uh, screen time. But I'm really, really excited to show for them to finally really focus and show Ralph's real abilities as a detective really mattered. He's not this bubbling person. He's very intelligent, very smart, and he's going to give Sherlock a, a run for his money, which I really like. And and, so. and you know what? Tacking on to that, too, I love the fact that um, one of the things that we're seeing of this version of Wells that we haven't really seen before is this shirt, this Sherlock Wells, he, he's very humble. Um, you know, we see by the end of the episode that he is he has no problem giving kudos where kudos is due. And while, you know, he might have done a majority of the legwork and, and, you know, put the pieces together, he very much acknowledges by the end of the episode that, you know, the the congratulations goes to Ralph. It was Ralph who, you know, that it was Ralph's idea to follow the mask. And that's exactly what Sherlock did. So while everybody is saying, you know, telling Sherlock, like, well done, you know, he's the first to turn around and be like, no, the congratulations goes to Ralph. Like, this was his idea. And yeah. and that's a side of Wells that I don't think we've seen yet out of yeah, any version I, that we've gotten before. Right. And <laughs> I, I kind of like the fact that we're getting a, such a different take and I think it's working really well. But, um, I mean, you know, beyond that, though, I think there's really not much else to talk about this week. Yeah, I, I don't really think so either. Um, you know, we, um, the, the only other thing I can say is maybe with, you know, the whole Ralph element is it's kind of fun getting to see that people in the city are recognizing him as, as an elongated man. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, they're still loving the pair meme that was, mm -hmm. you know, from an episode ago, <laughs> but I think he's going to shake that eventually. And I think, I, I, I think I'm really liking the fact that he's, we're seeing him more, uh, we're seeing a great balance of him being both a hero and a very uh, inept, not inept, but um, uh, very good detective. Yeah, you know, because seeing the whole that whole dynamic of you know when they were at the location where Ralph got his ass kicked and he freely admits it, you know, seeing him doing all that detective work was just so much fun to watch, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm I'm loving the elements, but yeah, I don't really think there's there's much else. We're seeing Cecile, Cecile still does have her abilities. Um, no Carlos Valdez in this episode, so no Cisco at all. Does he, they just say he's healing up, so we'll see him next week, I'm sure. Yeah, so. uh, but on that note, let's look forward to next week. You know, we're getting Season 5, Episode 5, all dialed up, and I cannot wait for this episode. Uh, Nor lets something slip about the future that devastates Iris. In an attempt to distract his wife, Barry asks Iris to team up to stop a new meta ragdoll. Meanwhile, Caitlin learns something about her father. So, uh, man, 
I've been excited for this episode ever since the casting of Troy James as Ragdoll. And, oh, man, I can't wait. I just want to see this one happen. Oh, wait. This is two weeks from now. Two weeks, because nothing Damn this week. Oh, so two man. Two weeks. I got a little overexcited. <laughs> it's okay. It happens. Yeah, two weeks from now we're getting this episode, so now I have to wait. Oh, well. It's all good. Um, all right. I think that's going to wrap it up for the discussions this week. Uh, but there is a little bit of news out there, so I'll turn it over to you for the DC News. Yeah, not too, too much this week. Uh, so we'll start in the movie side. Uh, there's just a couple small pieces to discuss, but we have found out officially. It sounds like Birds of Prey has been confirmed to be a rated R movie. So DC not afraid to uh, take it to the next level for that. But we also found out just another small piece of Birds of Prey news. Uh, it's not 100% confirmed, but it sounds like it is all but at this point. It sounds like uh, we have reported a couple weeks back that Ewan McGregor was one of the people in the runnings to play Roman Sionis, a.k.a. Black Mask, for the Birds of Prey film. It sounds like that has been, uh, all but, as I mentioned, all but confirmed. It sounds like he is the one that is uh, about to sign on. So I think we'll be hearing something about that probably in the next couple of weeks. So. That's, that's that's fantastic casting, too. It really is. Yeah, I think he's going to he's gonna play a, a great big bat in that. Uh, James Wan also made a statement this week, too. Fi- uh, then we found out officially Aquaman has been completed. All the post-effects work, any last-minute editing and changes that they had to make, uh, 100% done. And uh, we will be checking that movie out in... Uh, God, less than two months, uh, December 21st. Yeah. So, so that's why I was saying to you, it. I was like, uh, yeah, it's a good thing it's completed because it's coming up. Well, it's it's right on time. It's That's exactly where normally when most of these big big tentpole films finish up in, in full. So uh, after they probably did a couple uh, couple screenings for people to check out and see what they think and make some tweaks and changes as, as need be. So DC is but, putting uh, uh, DC is putting a lot behind this movie, man. Uh, promotion wise between like the, the trailers, the commercial spots, uh, they, and I think just past weekend out in LA, they had a full on walk through Atlantis that you can yeah. go through, man. And there was a brand new Madame Tussauds, uh, James, uh, you know, like a you know, wax statue of Arthur Curry too, yeah. that was just unveiled and that classic green and gold and man, it looked great. And I, I people were getting behind this movie. I think a lot of people were excited. So. Yeah. Uh, all right, jumping over to the DC Universe side, uh, Stargirl, we have a little bit of information. Uh, Angelica Washington has been uh, cast in an undisclosed role for the project. We don't know too, too much. Uh, she has started shows such as Shameless and Young Sheldon, so uh, big wait and see. She's also been, I think, in the Amazon pilot, The Legend of Master Legend. Uh, very odd name, so we'll see where this goes. But we don't know much else. I'm sure we'll be hearing about that more and more soon as we get closer to. Uh, jumping over into Swamp Thing news, we have a little bit more casting. Maria Sutherland has been cast, uh, or sorry, Virginia Madsen has been cast in the role of Maria Sutherland on Swamp Thing. Uh, so she was previously in Dune and Candyman. So we'll find out more from her and uh, what her role is going to be in full a lot sooner. So, uh, but it sounds like she is a series regular. So, uh, jumping over into the TV, normal TV side of things, a little bit of news on The Flash and kind of some sad news. So, if you've all been watching The Flash this season, you have noticed that good old Jesse L. Martin, aka Papa Joe West, has been uh, sitting down and leaning against things quite a bit. Uh, there's a good reason for that. Actually, he suffered a pretty severe back injury before the start of filming for this season. Uh, so it sounds like he's going to be taking a short leave of absence for the show, more than likely probably for some uh, some work to be done surgically. But we're going to be seeing uh, hopefully him return uh, before the end of the season. So it's a big wait and see. So 
All right, jumping into Arrow, uh, we have found out officially that Stephen Amell has announced that the Arrowverse uh, Elseworlds crossover has finished filming, and uh, we'll be seeing that in just a few short months. But in addition to that, (coughs) excuse me, Mm -hmm. uh, we have found out that uh, we are getting another character added into Elseworlds. And that is actor Bob Frazier. Uh, I'm not as familiar with his work. Uh, let see if I can find anything that he has been in while I have this up. <laughs> uh, nope, they don't have anything listed in here uh, in the article. But we have found out officially that he is playing Psycho Pirate, uh, which is very interesting because we have previously mentioned in uh, the premiere episode uh, or the episode after the premiere episode when we were talking about The Flash uh, his name was indeed brought up in that newspaper saying that he was the only person that really remembered the events that happened before the crisis. Oh, so man, this is shaping up, man. I, I don't know what to expect. So very big possibility that we actually could be on the verge of the crisis in this crossover. And if that's the case, just a reminder to all of you that we will be canceling our show in the event of crises. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but no, that that actually does it for the news this week. No, we're not going anywhere. You will still get at least a full season from us. Yeah. You have to think about next year. <laughs> yeah, I don't think if the no, shows no, are no. continuing next season, I we will still be on board. I just Rob's saying that mainly because I joked about that a couple weeks ago that if they decide to ever do Crisis on Infinite Earths, I really don't think there's anything more. They can. I don't think there's any bigger they can go than that. So there's really no point in doing the podcast anymore. That's correct. So we're gonna stop. We're gonna so. stop. Yeah. No, <laughs> uh, we'll figure it out anyway. No, no, um. No. Yeah. Cool. So recommendations, and then we can drop some cheap plugs and get out of here. We can continue resting up from the extra life. And uh, as far as plugs go, I really don't have anything this week. Um. I'll turn it over to you if you have something. Uh, something really small beforehand, because uh, I we kind of addressed it in the Flash topic, but uh, I just want to bring it up. Uh, we had a listener question. Uh, Mike uh, Hackey Jr. asked us uh, real quick in a direct message uh, if we think that the same person who told Nora about her powers and the chip is the same person who told her to help out with a satellite. And our answer to that is an astounding absolutely yes. Yeah. Uh, so one in the I same. Think gonna, I think we're going to find out about that, Mike, probably by the midseason finale. I, I would not be surprised to see that happen right around there. So yeah, exactly. just uh, hang tight. But uh, thank you guys. Uh, thank you so much for the nice message. We really appreciate it. And uh, keep listening because uh, it's always great to hear people are enjoying the show. Yeah. So. And on that note, if you guys have any messages that you want to send us, uh, there are definitely ways that you can do that. And that leads us into our cheap plugs. You can find me uh, on my other podcasts, which are the spotlight here on the next level podcast network, which is my Celebrity interview podcast, as well as we have to go back Lost Revisited, which is a Lost Rewatch podcast I'm doing as well. Uh, you can find those podcasts as well as this podcast and all other podcasts of the pod- Next Level Podcast Network at nextlevelradioonline.com, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline. And then, of course, ways you can contact us for this podcast is facebook.com slash Primetime. Yep, you can always send us a, me- a message directly through Messenger. Ben or I will get back to you. We're always pretty good about that. Uh, for me, uh, I did have one small recommendation, and it's actually one of my favorite shows in the universe. But if you're a fan too, a uh, great British uh, baking show on Netflix. <laughs> um, they added a new series on Netflix just a couple days ago called Great British Baking Show Beginnings. Uh, some of the original uh, seasons that were not part of that other great british baking show uh that is on the list it's all still the same cast it's still paul hollywood mary berry and mel and sue so 
this is just the early, early seasons before uh, I guess the they got the rights from Channel Four to to add it into the mix. So, uh, but really fun to watch. It's only one season, but if you are a fan of the show, the brand new season also will be coming to Netflix on November 9th. You can tell I care about the show. Oh, <laughs> so, I'll, I'll be watching it. Uh, but as for me, you can also always find me over at nextlevelradioonline.com through the Caffeine Crew cast of pods. Uh, just a couple you know, a couple days ago, we were at Halloween. So uh, if you haven't had an opportunity yet, make sure to give a listen to our Halloween episode. And probably in about two weeks, we'll be uh, recording our Mel Brooks episode. So stay tuned for that. And a big special thanks to our good friend George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com. We thank him each and every episode for the music that you get to hear in the beginning and end of the show. Please make sure to go check out his page, check out his stuff on his SoundCloud. He's got some amazing, amazing projects out there. Yeah, um, I'm on Netflix now, so I could add the Great British Baking Show uh, beginnings to my queue. And I'm being reminded of something I completely forgot about, in that their Netflix is having an original Christmas movie coming out, uh, November 22nd, in which Kurt Russell will be playing Santa Claus. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> I don't know why it made me. I don't know why I brought that up. Well. We're right around the corner, so... Yeah. Oh, there it is. Great British Baking Show. Okay. Um, yeah, so that about wraps it up for this week, then. As a quick reminder that I even had to remind myself this episode, uh, no flash this week uh, because of Election Day, so make sure you get out and vote if you haven't already by the time you're listening to this. Uh, so next week, only three shows to talk about, which means should be a little bit of a shorter episode. We say that every time that never happens. Um, so we'll just... Fair warning. Uh, but I think yep. that, that's going to wrap it up for this week's issue of DC Primetime. Thank you for being a part of the DC Primetime family. Thank you for listening, subscribing, commenting, posting, all that you do. And until next week, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. Peace.